0: Welcome to STEAM Powered, where I have conversations with women in STEAM to learn a little bit about what they do and who they are. I'm your host, Michelle Ong. My guest today is Dr. Janine Bakhausen. Janine is a futurist and founder and CEO of the Tech Girls Movement Foundation. She's a champion of technological entrepreneurship and advocate for technological innovation and diversity in STEM fields. Join us as we talk about Tech Girls Movement Foundation, cultivating an interest in STEM, and teaching young girls life skills through entrepreneurship. Janine thank you for joining me today on Steampart it is wonderful being able to speak to you today about your journey and all the amazing efforts that you're working on with the initiatives for Tech Girls movement and yeah all the other advocacy work that you do thanks Michelle for having me it's a lot to be here amazing so yeah we'll get started on where you began with all this you have a background in business and software engineering but what attracted you to pursue these fields Oh, what a great question. I guess I studied business at TAFE to start with, so in
1: vocational education, and I found it was a great transition from high school into university and I guess trying to find my way. So studying a diploma of business really got me very excited about how to grow a business and how to make it my own and I guess I found once I went to university I wanted something a little bit more than general business and that's where I guess software engineering was one of my majors which I took upon and I loved it. I love the idea of having a project from beginning to end, um, that there is a beginning, there is an end in this life sometimes there isn't an end so it's, I really like the compartmentalizing of that oh, um, and then you finish, you start again and so yeah I saw this great life cycle of what a project looks like from the very beginning to the very end and to be honest it was one of the most challenging things I've learned um, in software engineering around project management and also mm. just bringing a project to life, working in a team and getting everyone to contribute and all of those fun things. And yeah, I guess here we are many years later, having my own team, my own um, groups of people to work together and creating real community.
0: That's absolutely amazing. So software engineering is still something that's a big part of what you
1: do? Oh, no question. Yeah, um, <laughs> probably more than I've probably realized until you've asked me this question. <laughs> Preparing for today, uh, certainly realized how you know running a business, you you need so many different kinds of technologies to help you through the day. And running two businesses, so let's duplicate, you know, double that. Yeah. Um. And yeah, we've had a few software challenges along the way, just trying to get things to talk to each other. And we talk about the Internet of Things, which is a great vision. Mm-hmm. I think as a small business, we're not there yet. There's a lot of gaps <laughs> we need to fill. Uh. Certainly, there's a lot of potential. Uh. But yeah, I mean. Especially when you run a not-for-profit, you you try to do everything really cheap at the Mm. beginning. And I guess just because you want to put the money into programs rather than um, the systems. Yes. But at some point you do have to invest and and trying to find ways of putting all those bits and pieces together that you've kind of cobbled up to that point
0: can be challenging.
1: So yeah, software engineering is a, a constant part of our lives and we're always trying to do it better.
0: Absolutely. I mean, that's always the whole point of software engineering, just continuous improvement and just trying to increase your scope, increase your, you know, your, your impact. And that's, yeah, that's what's amazing about the field, I think.
1: Absolutely. And we're always learning and there's always new things to learn. So for instance, we're going through a, a system, challenge so much at the moment, but a system we've been working on for a number of years. And now we're at a point where we have choices we didn't have three years ago. Wow. So it's a really interesting time to say, okay, well, We didn't decide this three years ago because it just, we weren't there. We didn't have the data. We didn't have the background. We didn't have the systems. We didn't have the database. But now that we have those things, there are a whole new world of possibilities in terms of technology available to us, which is, yeah, very interesting to see in a new perspective.
0: Yeah. So how did you go from, you know, your work in software engineering to, you know, creating a space for advocacy for women in STEM and the foundation?
1: Yeah, really great question. I guess it's a little bit of a leap and my background is as a researcher. So I've been doing research for more than 20 years and the work that I do with Tech Girls, uh, Tech Girls Movement Foundation really comes from the research I've done for many years um, within universities. And so it's really nice to be able to actually create a solution to a problem you care about. Mm. And in technology, I find so often we create solutions looking for problems rather than the other way around. Mm -hmm. Let's define the problem well and let's create, then let's create a useful solution to that problem. And often it, it's the opposite of that. So, and we waste a lot of time and energy. So something we definitely um, purport in the Tech Girls Program, but also in the work that we do every day, it's like, let's really define the problem that we have and let's work our way backwards to make that happen. So yeah. it, it's nice to be able to take that theory and put it into practice and see how it plays out in everyday life. And, um, yeah, and I guess tech girls, uh, the program we run for school girls across Australia and New Zealand really is around problem solving. Yeah. That's what software engineering is all about. That's what, that's why technology is so fun because it's about problem solving. It is. It's about using technology to solve maybe old problems and looking at them in new ways. And we invite girls to do that. And I figure we should be doing that ourselves and we, we definitely try our best.
0: Excellent. So let's rewind a bit. So for the people who don't understand about the ecosystem for women in Mm -hmm. STEM, Let's talk a little bit about the issues surrounding our pipeline and our career development there.
1: Yes, so the research tells us that girls opt out of STEM as young as six years old. So STEM being science, tech, engineering, and maths. So um, we do lose girls at quite a young age, uh, unnecessarily, I would say, and that's just because of the perceptions of what a STEM person, a STEM professional looks like, um, what they do. And I feel there's so much wasted opportunity there. So our program really is designed to engage girls as young as possible. Um, We start at seven. um, And to be honest, we actually had six-year-olds in our program (laughs) last year who created an app to save some wildlife, which was just truly amazing. And they did such a great job. Um, But technically, seven to 17. uh, But again, trying to get them as young as possible, just to open them up to the possibility that technology can be used for good, that they can use technology to have a voice. It can help them to to yeah to solve problems that they care about and, and that their voices are important and we need them now more than ever right we need yes. young people and i think it's so easy to dismiss, dismiss young people they don't know what they're doing they're on their devices all the time yeah i'm sure on some level that's true but they really do care about the world and they care about people and they want to make a difference and so trying to find an opportunity to give them um, a way of doing that
0: that is very very cool so you know I, i've got a young child myself but how do you engage a 6-year-old or 7-year-old in understanding these concepts of technology and problem solving and how they fit in the STEM space. Great question. So, you have something <laughs> Um, But no, uh, it's a great question and this is
1: why I kind of put this book together a couple of years ago. It's five things you can do to engage girls in STEM um, to answer exactly that question. And to be honest, it was sort of 20 years of research that I had done put together in the book of just putting it out there as something that hopefully will help inform parents inform teachers that we all have an active role to play mm-hmm. and we can all little things make the biggest difference we we don't quite realize sometimes and that goes positive and negative as well the little things can make the biggest amount of difference and i mean for the five things uh, which i think will answer your question and if not please let me know <laughs> but um, it comes down to i tried to make it really simple to remember a e i o u remember Ooh, nice. that we did you know many years ago but yeah. a is around autonomy so it's around creating leadership opportunities for young people so whether it's just you know um take the lead in the group or, or whatever it is that we're doing, but giving them an opportunity to find their way to, to, to take some leadership um, responsibilities. Yes. Um, e is around ethos, so it's about having positive mindset, and so the work by Carol Dweck and others around, um, and we've seen some great experiences in our program of girls who have done exceptionally well, and then they apply for something and they're saying to me, oh, I don't know if I'll get accepted. And I think that's the ultimate form of growth mindset that even yes. though you've done so well, you still know that there's more that you can learn. Yeah. And I think that that's a beautiful thing about learning is there's always more to learn. Um, and, and that's a great space to be in, I think. Not that I've done it. I know everything. <laughs> it's to learn. Uh, I know I have a billion more things to learn. So Absolutely. I a long time yet. Um, and I guess um, so AEI, I is around involvement and that's around hands-on activities. Mm. So yeah. whether it's... Pulling a computer apart or a piece of technology, or or but something around physically doing something with your hands—that's beyond an app. So yes. an app doesn't really qualify. But something where we get to actually build something together and and breaking things is great. I love to break <laughs> things get to them, and that's how we yes. learn. So um, I'm a big advocate of breaking things as well, and certainly just getting your hands um, involved. Yeah. And um, O is around otherness, and it's around um, it's it's around understanding why we need diversity mm. in in. In STEM, so right across STEM, science, tech, engineering, math, we need diversity in the way we we build things. Yes, and a really good example is around, for instance, artificial intelligence. So um, AI is amazing; it helps our lives so much. But um, a friend of mine was applying for a job recently, and so she did the online application, and within an hour, so it was a big global company, and within an hour she got a a rejection. She's mm. quite highly qualified. She's got. A, MBA, and she's been in the industry for many, many years, and she was surprised she got such a quick response. Yes. And so my reply to her, it was the AI system did that yes. for you. So the AI system, many big companies, they go through applications for CVs, and they decide, based on certain words that you mm-hmm. use, whether or not you should go through the next round of interviewing. Yes. I guess what a lot of people don't realize is that mostly those AI systems are built by white guys between 18 and 35 and no offense to them, but that is generally the makeup of that part of the industry and a lot of the industry. And so they actually program certain words in those systems that will actually recognize other people just like them.
0: Mm.
1: So the words they use to pick up in CVs are actually more tended towards what men would use rather than what women would use. So I would say her CV just got thrown out just because of certain words that she used. And they missed out on a great opportunity. So I think understanding that we need diversity of thought. If we all look the same, we all think the same, and that that thought actually gets translated into the technology that has exponential impact on society. I think so. Those simple things can have a yeah, massive impact. Certainly, yeah. And so then I think the U is around um, computing with a purpose. Mm. So it's not just coding for coding's sake. It's not just building a piece of tech for tech's sake. Like I said, it's a solution, not a solution looking for a problem, but the other way around. Yes. And so I think it's really important for us to find ways. um, and, And one way we do it is for girls to align their work with the SDGs. So the United mm. Nations Sustainable Development Goals. So that allows girls to think locally what they're doing, but actually have a global impact on that. So it's around what we're doing is important, but it's a it's important to humanity and not just the people just like me.
0: Yes, absolutely. Those are such wonderful tenets to be following in order to, you know, get people thinking about all of these different things in different ways. And, you know, I've been speaking to a few other guests who've basically, you know, embodied a lot of these ideas. Um, I had, speaking to Stephanie Ryan she is an educator and also an author and her idea or her way of being able to share this with younger kids is talking about how there's STEM in every day so part of it is you know looking at the activities they do well kids love to sort sort as you know taxonomy and categorization it's you know making snacks you know you're being able to group colors together you're being able to balance things creating parfaits because that's layers and you know, that's geography. That's talking about how we develop things in the world and how the world naturally evolves and you know, it's being able to tune in some of these day-to-day things with STEM lessons that aren't traditionally STEM looking. And you know, it's again, as you said about problem solving, there was, um, a guest spoke about a program at uh, MIT where they, it's a workshop for programming for kids. But instead of teaching them to be a programmer, the idea is let's teach you to be a problem solver. And they ask the kids, you know, what, what things are going on in your life, in your world, in your neighborhood that make you think that you think could be made better. And can we make an app to do that? Is there something that we can solve in a tangible way for you? And it gets them talking about, you know, oh, my neighbor has this problem and you know, it's, it bothers them all the time. All right, let's see if we can fix it or let's see if we can help them make that better. And yeah, it, it's just getting people to think outside the box about the way STEM functions in the world and in our lives. And that's, yeah, that's great.
1: Absolutely. Agree. Agree. It's (laughs) about getting young people to solve young people's problems. It's about getting them to find what they care about and them owning the solving of the problem. For us, that's the key to making it work.
0: Absolutely. Yeah. You, You need to be invested in the thing that you're building and yeah, what better way to do it than to choose something that actually matters to you.
1: Absolutely. And once they do, you see they just kind of explode um, from there, once, yeah. once they do. Um, yeah. And, and, it's, and if you think about what happens at school, usually you get told what to do. Yes. So having an environment where you're actually not told what to do, you're giving the structure to make the idea come to life, but you get to choose. And we've certainly had instances where, um, so I'm just thinking of a, um, a, a public school that I went to in regional New South Wales, uh, I was fortunate I had a group of girls. The girls came up with a problem that was very girl-specific. It was a hair thing. It was, I don't know, I'm not sure if you've ever heard of a thing called a shark fin. Okay, I hadn't heard of a shark fin before. A shark fin is when you put your hair up and you have this bit in the middle that kind of sticks up and just Ah, because of, anyway, it's a thing. And I've had it my whole life, didn't know what it was called. Anyway, these girls were, thought it it was a big deal for them that, you know, they wanted to get rid of this shark fin. And then another team of girls were like, yeah, yeah, we agree. This is really important. And it was like, fine, that's important to you. You solve the problem that you care about. And the teacher pointed out, if there were boys in the room right now, they would have ridiculed the girls, they would have shut them down, and the girls would not have pursued that.
0: Yeah, because what a stupid so, idea to again, have to solve. <laughs> yeah, that's
1: it. There's an argument, you know, girls only, you know, are, are, you know safe spaces for people mm. to learn. That's really important for us, even though there's an idea we're kind of there or we're not kind of there. Yeah. But for me, that was a great example of, having that space to explore what's important to you and all ideas are relevant. And I mean, you see what's happening in Silicon Valley and there's a lot of women owned businesses trying to put great ideas forward, but they get shut down because they don't appeal to half the population. Well, half the other ideas don't appeal to half the population (laughs) either. So um, I think giving people a safe space to create is really, really important.
0: It really, really is. So what sort of initiatives and programs does Tech Girls Movement Foundation, you know, work on in order to create these safe spaces and environments for them to learn.
1: Yeah. Thank you. Uh, Our signature program is our annual 12 week STEM entrepreneurship program, which is called the tech girls competition. So we pitch it as a competition because competitiveness is a good thing. Um, and it's great to to try to, you know, Australian girls, we love to compete. We love to, you know, try to be the best that we can. And (laughs) and in saying that though, there is all sorts of levels of prizes, but it's around, um, I guess working together, and so what girls do is they form a team. So we will launch on International Women's Day, which is I think just two weeks away now. Yes, it's very quickly. close. And so every year we launch on International Women's Day, and we invite teams of girls, um, up to five, to get a coach on board. So that coach is their either their teacher or their parent, and they register the team. So once they register, we match every team of girls with a female mentor who works in STEM. Mm-hmm. So from all kinds of, of big, well, big and small companies, and so that that person. Uh, agrees to guide the team through for 12 weeks, so to Mm meet them for one hour per week over 12 weeks. So that's pretty amazing for a young person to have an adult you don't know, take you seriously for 12 entire hours (laughs) over three months and literally just sit there and say, ask me questions and how can I help you? There's something really powerful about that. And our mentors love it um, and our students love it as well. And so once they join the program and they're matched up, so in term two, they work together to, firstly, um, there's four, four modules. So the first one is to ideate.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: So it's the old um, software engineering process, which I guess has now transformed a little bit into design thinking and there are elements of that in there. But yes. certainly it's about brainstorming and finding a problem that you care about. So once the team can decide on a problem, Then they have to research how other people have tried to solve that problem. And once they've done that, they then have to design their own um, solution Mm. to the problem, usually in the form of a wireframe for an app. They build a business plan. And once they get that together, then they actually have to do a pitch. So they build a working prototype and then they have to pitch it and they have to do a demo. So at the end of 12 weeks, it's pretty amazing. So these young teams of girls, teams of young girls, I should say, are preparing um, a business plan, a working prototype of an app. A pitch video and a demo video, all in twelve weeks. Oh goodness, um, and we that's amazing! Judging, we get to industry. Every every entry gets judged by at least three people in industry. We have our state, national, regional prizes. Um, hopefully this year we will back to face to face events where we can bring yep. the community in to see what the girls have done, and so they can share it with their family and friends. Usually we would take the teams to Silicon Valley, and we did that for four years in a row. We yeah. took about forty five girls over four years to pitch to. 10 companies in a week. So the Googles and Ebays of the world over there. Fortunately, that's not the case at the moment, but yeah, yeah, it's this great life cycle where girls are getting, and and the thing that the girls said they loved so much about last year out of everything that happened with all the madness, they said they just loved the teamwork. They loved working with other other people and the opportunity and the reason and purpose to get together. And so we, our primary school winners for last year were a team from our, uh, locally here in Brisbane, from a public school.
0: There are 11 and they created a 91-page business plan. Oh, my goodness. 91 pages. That's more detail than most grown-ups. <laughs> it was amazing. It's the record. We've never had that. Not that we go for quantity, but we were blown <laughs> away. And
1: the girls, um, their app is called Girltastic. And they created an app to empower schoolgirls to have more confidence. So it was oh, That is such a good idea.
0: Plan. Oh, that's wonderful. And it, it's great that it's making them think about all these things and, you know, putting it interaction in ways that you know we do as adults in the workforce from start to finish and it's such a wonderful set of skills to have because it's not it doesn't just apply to business it applies to everything that you work on at school or even personal projects and you really do have to think about it in this way in order to ensure success and yeah that's wonderful
1: yeah, thank you. And a great example of that, I was speaking with a parent recently whose daughter came through the program a number of years ago, and she said her daughter goes into maths class now, and it's not just maths class anymore, it's now maths to help me get my business off the ground. Oh, wow. So she looks at maths class in a completely different way, and there's purpose and meaning to it, which wasn't there before, so. that,
0: yeah, that That's that. incredible, and it it's such an important thing as well, because math is often where, you know, a lot of people have said, math is where mm-hmm. a lot of women fall down, and, you know, Even I freely admit I suck at calculus. It just wasn't my thing, wasn't into it. But a lot of people will think because they can't do the maths that they can't do the other things because they're prerequisites. And, you know, when you're growing up, they don't teach you about this is how you apply these things. And again, another guest, um, was saying that, you know, you, you need to be able to teach these skills in ways that are relevant to them so that, you know, they know that learning these math skills isn't just because they're forcing us to do it because it's boring it's necessary it's because it's valuable and can be used to achieve an end and giving things that objective around, right? it does and it makes the world go around and you, know, you can't have bridges without maths you can't you know all, all the stuff that you do your toys are built with maths and yeah I love the fact that she was able to switch that perspective to say, right, I need math. This is a tool that I need in order to achieve my objective. And that's very, very cool. Absolutely.
1: Absolutely. Uh, Even yeah. running two businesses as well. You know, you need math. You need to know with yeah. you about books, fellas. Do you, <laughs> are you making good decisions? Is someone ripping me off? Like you need to know these things to be really honest. So yes. um, at some point you need to know the maths and, and yet yeah, it's not about being scared of it. It's
0: just learning it like anything else and knowing how much better it can make your life. Absolutely. It's so important. And, you know, again, finance, understanding your books, understanding the value, doing your due diligence in everything that you work on. It's so great. And we have actually had parents, I think, probably more so than teachers,
1: ask us to take the financial part out of the work that we do in terms of (gasps) the business plan just because it's too hard. No. We disagree with that and you yes. can leave it out but by all means we want you to at least think about uh, and it's, it's more than just a finance it's this mm. idea that you should be paid for the work that you do yes and i've certainly run this program with boys and girls in the room mm. and it's really interesting because boys were like yeah and you get paid a thousand bucks a day kind of thing girls like oh you know i'm gonna do it and maybe i'll get paid at some point and maybe i won't it's so like actually this is if you're gonna do a business case if you want someone to fund you you have to come in and say how much is going to cost you wage wise per person in the team you need to get Get paid if you don't there's it's not going to work out you're going to get burned out and it's all going to die and so we need an actual business case so it comes it's more than that and you deserve yes. to get paid for this work
0: absolutely and, and that is such an important lesson that even adults need to learn and mm-hmm. even i am learning as i'm going through doing my own things because so many of the things that we work on it's like well nobody will really care about it except for me so obviously the value is only intrinsically there for myself it's like, yes, mm-hmm. but you're putting that time in, you're committing mm-hmm. your efforts and your energies and your skills and experience to building these products or building these services. And you deserve to be compensated for that value that you're giving. And, you know, it, it, it's so funny that, you know, as you said, the boys go, yeah, absolutely. I'm worth a thousand dollars. And the girls go, I don't know. You know, it, it it's a little bit airy fairy. I'm not sure if I'm worth that. <laughs> it's like, what, what makes us think that way? What is it that makes us well because you and I do
1: this as well that's part of it that's part of the problem is we need to to younger people I think we absolutely do and and I think we need to and I've done it forever I've said yes to everything forever and, and that's what you do because you care and, and that's okay I'm not saying we don't do that I think yeah. it's just being more, being a bit more conscious of um, and it makes all those numbers around unpaid leave or unpaid work make sense right because yes. this is all the stuff that we're doing on top of everything else so Think just just having being aware of it if nothing else that this is what you're doing and the value that it is, that it has yeah um hopefully other people might start to recognize it a bit more
0: absolutely and you know as, as a child even if you're thinking about well this is how much time I am committing to this particular thing versus to this other thing and getting them to think about the value of their time and the way that's being divided it's yeah it's such a very simple bit of you know financial management even if there's no actual money involved that I think sets people up for the future in terms of how they value their work and their contribution. Mm
1: -hmm. Definitely. Definitely. It's yeah. Awareness is everything. Yes. Oh,
0: such great lessons here in this program. Absolutely amazing. It's just—it's such a great
1: celebration of young people and young people having a voice and telling us what they care about and what's been really interesting over the last few years. I mean, now we're in our ninth year, which is yes. super exciting. and I never could have dreamed that even possible. Ten-year anniversary next year, which we've got a big, oh, big, big campaign plan around where are they now and where are our alumni and what are they doing? Yeah. Uh, but certainly it's been really interesting to look over the years um, in terms of the trends of what problems young people are trying to solve. Yeah. And so... Previous, I guess in the last couple of years, we've certainly seen a, a trend more towards well-being and, and mental health and self-care and and probably more individual, I guess, challenges. Mm. And it's been really interesting to see, I guess, that it's, it's an accepted thing to be talking about those things now. Yes. And I had a mentor last year who was from a culture where mental health isn't really discussed. So she, mm. she was born overseas and she had a team where that, that was the topic of their app. And she even really struggled to with the girls to say, look, but why should you be spending time wow. on this? Because in her life, it's just something that you would never be given the luxury to actually explore at all. Suck it all. So it was carry quite on. fascinating to see, <laughs> absolutely. So, and obviously really important to everyone, but yeah some cultures are still catching up and I guess we're doing okay at least having the conversation uh but yeah she she had to be convinced herself that this was something she should even put her time into mentoring a team who were actually exploring this yeah which I thought there were so many
0: interesting layers to that that is that is absolutely fascinating because you know it I guess in the environment that we're in we take for granted that these days people talk about self-care about you know thinking about your own balance and trying to find ways to do that but you know there, there are people who adult who have been living their lives a certain way where this perspective is quite different and can be can provide a lot of dissonance with the way that they've been raised or the way that they are accustomed to thinking about things so mm-hmm. it's, yeah it, it's great that the mentors are also kind of starting to adjust their thinking as a result from this program as well
1: yeah I interviewed about 15 of them at the end of last year for a research project that was fascinating I learned so much just around yeah, how they navigate their way and the challenge, some of the challenges they face um, in terms of religion, you know, being matched with certain schools, because mm. you know, conflict with their religion from um, different cultural differences and how they, I guess I was always the belief like you're adults, you'll work it out, <laughs> you'll find a way, but it's really, you know, maybe that's a little naive of me, but it's been quite interesting to understand the mentors a little better and the challenges that they face um, jumping into this thing, you know, all in and let's try, yes. let's. I mean, hanging out with kids. I, I had a mentor who once said, I haven't hung out with 11 year olds since I was 11. So, <laughs> I think that's a really good example. And we kind of throw them in the deep end and most of the time they find their way out <laughs> <laughs> well, it's to... a couple of little challenges, but generally they're very small and we, we, we yeah, it's a great experience for everyone.
0: Yes. And it, it's just support from all angles and it's, it's wonderful. Oh, it's such an interesting challenge as well. Like, um. You know, placing the mentors, as you said, that it that is a very interesting thing to have to you know consider with the logistics and you know all the mm-hmm. factors, as you said, the cultural, the faith factors, and you know that. To be honest, we
1: haven't. We actually don't consider any of that. I'll be really honest. We kind of just go, "You're an adult. You're in this location. We'll match you." We we don't go into any more detail than that because again, yeah. we're just open case worms. And yes, where do you stop? Um, yes. but for us, it's around giving girls a, a positive role model who will guide them through the program. They don't have to know the answers, but they know how to find the answers and just to be there as a support system. And if you can be that positive role model, that's all we're asking for. All the rest, I figure, kind of works itself out. And again, you're an adult,
0: kind of work it out. Exactly.
1: That's that's, that's the least we can do for young people, I figure.
0: Yeah. And it also becomes an interesting exercise for the adult because now they're having to think about how they would adjust to these things because as adults, we can choose to put ourselves in environments or to remove ourselves from environments. But here it's like, well, now how do I adjust? How do I approach this in a way that is still going to be educational for the kids mm-hmm. and allows them to think about things in different ways as well for myself. And that, yeah, that's very cool. That's so much. Yeah, for learning. There. Yeah, absolutely. And I did have a mentor last year who, who.
1: Uh, who was visibly Muslim and we matched with a Christian school. And again, we didn't really think this through, Yeah. <laughs> sometimes like maybe. Uh, but again, um, she talked through the process and it, when I spoke to her, it was a number of months after this had happened. So she'd had time to process it, which I think was really helpful for me.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, but she, she was actually quite anxious about turning up to the school face to face and how they were going to receive her because of experiences she had had in the past. And she was quite young yeah. in the industry. So she didn't necessarily, you know, working on her confidence. But what was amazing was when she turned up at the school, they they welcomed her with open arms. The team were very friendly, very open. They asked very innocent questions about what she was wearing and so on. And so she said how she went away at the end of that experience and really had to reflect on herself and how she almost went into battle in, in situations, yeah. like she was expecting things to happen that may not have happened and mm. that she kind of reflected on her whole identity and how she approached those situations. So for me, that was just mind-blowing that we couldn't even – a tiny seed of something like that happening
0: yeah, absolutely and it it is one of those things where when you are in a community where you're used to this sort of behavior and the microaggressions you automatically gear yourself up for combat and it's just a natural Brilliant. reaction but yeah it it's yeah. I'm glad that it worked out.
1: It is. And they're kids, right? And, you know, kids can be nasty, but kids, they're our kids, they're our tech girls, and they all come in with the right purpose, you know, the right mindset generally. They're there for a reason and they want to learn, which I think we can all learn. Yes,
0: absolutely. It's a great space for growth. (laughs) For sure. Yeah. Every single day. (laughs) Excellent. Yeah. (laughs) And yeah, so you do a lot of research as well for you know your other business. So can you tell me a little bit about that and the sort of work that you do?
1: Yeah, no, thank you. And it crosses over quite a lot uh, because Tech Girls was based on you know doing research for many years around why we don't have enough women in tech, yeah. STEM, and then turning that into practice as Tech Girls. So it's like, well, let's take the reasons why. And let's turn them into something tangible that works, and that's where we're at. But I guess for me, it's always about constant improvement, and so evaluating our programs really important every year, mm-hmm. and taking the findings and bringing them in and, and working on you know improving. Um, but also, I'm very fortunate. I have a couple of um, academic positions, honorary academic positions, where I've got a couple of research teams, which I love, and I get to spend time and thinking and jumping in and spending probably too much time writing, reading and (laughs) writing, which I love, Um, but working with interesting people and finding out new things. So a couple of projects, I've got a project with um, University of Technology Sydney Mm
0: -hmm. in
1: the engineering department and we have an outreach program where we've been going out into schools and trying to understand what young people think a STEM professional looks like. They're drawing them and we're analysing them and getting them to do little projects and we're doing that year after year to try to get the um continuity i guess and it's not just a one-off come in and leave it's like actually this thing's here to stay and we're here to help you yes
0: um
1: another project i'm working on uh, around the digital the digital divide so does the digital divide still exist in australia Mm. and the u.s and yes it does what does it look like now it's kind of shifted a little bit and so trying to understand how are people delivering services in health education and social services during the pandemic
0: and how things maybe
1: changed a little bit um and how they adapted which has been Mm. fascinating just how creative and innovative people have been to just get the job done yes so that's fascinating and another project i've been looking at um culturally and linguistically diverse women in technology these were the interviews that i did for um, our mentors last year and so just trying to understand some of the challenges that not just women but culturally and linguistically diverse women have Mm. Living in Australia in navigating the corporate system, and are there different kinds of barriers which certainly there are that are coming up? Yeah, um, and what does mentorship look like? So, a big part of what we do is mentorship and role modeling. So, how does that uh, affect and influence different people at different levels, and how can we do it better essentially? But, yeah, research is fun,
0: it is, it, and it gives you so much room to explore all these ideas that you know are definitely becoming a lot more salient now than they used to be. And yeah, it's, it's wonderful because it feeds back into the ecosystem that you're building here to be able to, you know, try and, you know, work on the lessons or work on the, you know, ways to mitigate or prevent the kind of issues that you're exploring right now in the future generations.
1: And it's a different kind of problem solving, right? It's just a different level of extrapolation of problem solving. It's a different, similar problems, but solving them in a different way. And so I actually have an 88 year old PhD student, which is amazing. Um, Never too old. And um, yeah, and just, I I have an online community for PhD students for Research Central that I've set up recently just to kind of bring together people and take away some of the isolation and the challenges that come with that. And because been going on. We're all really disconnected right now. So yes. how do we bring people back together and learn together and share some of the challenges along the journey?
0: That's great. So how have you been approaching those sorts of problems?
1: <laughs> uh interestingly, um I, I believe I've had to really reinvent myself in the last two years, to be honest. Um I used to travel every second week, if not every wow. week, in yeah. the state um, delivering, you know, workshops to other universities, schools, presentations, and all, obviously all of that's changed. And to be honest, I'm very, very, very sick of online, um, not this, <laughs> but of meetings, the fact that everyone wants to have an online meeting now, it's like, well, we used to just talk on the phone. Why do you have to see me now? Why do I have to get prepared and, you know, get dressed, not dressed, but, you know, so yeah, that you I can presentable. <laughs> You know, and then I don't know if you've seen the research around uh, that's come out of Stanford, which talks about what happens when we're in like online zoom kind of meetings and uh, the fatigue is real. Yes. And it's because in real life, the, it, our body, when we're online, our body thinks that we're this close to the person in front of us, which yeah. you know we kind of are right now. <laughs> and in real life, the only time you ever get that close to someone is when you're either going to go into conflict or you're going to mate. Yes. And so we're not doing either of those things online, (laughs) but your body actually has this fight or flight in that when we're online looking at ourselves, particularly, we've got this whole thing going on in our body that we just can't control. And that's why it's absolutely exhausting. And so I think what we now need to do hopefully finding a road out of where we've been, um, finding some balance along the way. And I'm certainly trying to be more proactive rather than reactive. So making phone calls rather than Zoom calls anytime <laughs> I get the chance to a meeting. And you know what? People have been really grateful, saying thank you for doing this. Like I've just been for a walk. I've still got my sweats on and I'm happy just to have a phone call. Yes. And it's like that's it. If we're, expect- if we're working from home, why can't we be doing those things? Why do we have to be online like we're in an office like eight hours a day? It just exactly. doesn't make to me so i think flexibility goes both ways and yeah i'm more than just to jump on a call uh, but i think it's yeah, <laughs> trying to find a balance somewhere in the middle and having shorter meetings you know you don't need an hour meeting let's try 15 minutes and then <laughs> let another 15 if we need but just yep. locking yourself into those big commitments i think is just outdated i don't think we need it anymore
0: no it, and it's it's so i mean at the start of the pandemic we we're saying oh wow we didn't actually need to be in person we didn't actually need to have this meeting this is absolutely mm-hmm. wonderful but now we've kind of come back to this whole thing where we need these meetings and now we need them to be in video and it's almost as though we're trying to substitute the behavior
1: <laughs> yeah i don't think we should substitute it's kind of like the <laughs> you know the uh the vegan food kind of craze and I'm, I'm all for vegan food but i don't want to eat a piece of food that looks like that's um, plant-based that looks like a piece of chicken. Like I don't understand <laughs> why you need to make that food look like something you you don't want to eat otherwise. Like, again, that's kind of what we're trying to do. It's don't make it fit what it's supposed to be like or what you think it is. Let's just enjoy it for what it is. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> it's a weird analogy, but anyway, it sort of feels no, the same. It's, it, it's like, not, oh, we're trying to make something fit, you know, and it doesn't fit. Yeah. It,
0: it's, you, it's like you're trying to create this additional layer of comfort when it's not absolutely necessary. <laughs>
1: And it's not comfortable for everyone. I know no. some people love the online. And they love to sit here, but most people just turn their video off. And it's like, why are you even online? Why are we doing this? Let's just have half the time on the phone.
0: Yes, exactly. And it's, I mean, you you don't exactly gain the benefits of having video as you would in person anyway, because the body language kind of responses that we have, the micro expressions, you still lose some of that nuance in video anyway. <laughs>
1: Yep. You're on mute or, you know, your video freezes or people turn the video off. So all of those things. Absolutely. Yes. Yeah. I mean, we're not all, we're dealing with apples and oranges. If we were all on the same playing field, then maybe, but we're not, we don't have all no. the same commitment and things. So I don't think it's, it works that way.
0: Yep. Oh, well, ah, well, hopefully we figure another step out. That's not another substitution. Who <laughs> what we'll learn this year, huh? Pretty exciting. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I think so. I think it's going to be very interesting to see what happens. Okay. So <laughs> With all of the interesting work, all of the research, all of your you know, initiatives, seeing how this ecosystem is evolving, what sort of other considerations do we need to make in, you know, education, industry, and society to, you know, attract more women to STEM, and I guess ensuring they have more co- career longevity.
1: Oh, what a big question! That's question. Huge. <laughs> how do we solve the planet? <laughs> yeah it is um 42 yeah the you know in 42 yeah that's it. Kind of, um, <laughs> I mean I think we need to start by investing in young people and and, and valuing them and not just dismissing them as this entire lost generation and mm. I think there are certainly years that we may have lost somewhere along the line there but I don't think it's something that's very fair to a part mm. of all young people I think they really do care and and we need to hear their voices in terms of how to solve problems going forward. So we'll yeah. look at things differently than we've done before. I mm. think that's certainly a start to, to give them a voice and, and, and value that. And I think it's, it's this whole catch-22 because if you look at all the industries where women are predominantly found, those industries are not very well valued. And so there's this no. whole history of when women are in a certain profession that it gets devalued. Mm. And this happened back with the early, you know, the first, you know, programmers back in all well, the early programs in the 1940s um, in, you know, World War II and just after. And so suddenly women were the ones doing the work Then suddenly it wasn't important anymore. And this has happened with many industries. So I think we, it's a, it's a societal challenge in trying to stop that from happening. Um, I'm not hundred percent sure how, <laughs> uh, but I certainly think women infiltrating. I'm all, all a bigger fan for finding a way in a, and, and, women do need to be part of changing structures though and that's how mm. society will change and so uh, the way i think about it in terms of women in stem we need to get 30 a critical mass and that critical mass is around 30 percent of women yes. in stem we've been sitting at 20 15 20 for a decades mm. uh, we need to go beyond that and hopefully with the pro- our program and others we will get there very soon but the idea is once we have 30 percent of women as that critical mass in the industry then those women start to become in in positions where they start able to change structures to yeah. change you know pay pay you know the gender pay gap those kind, there's the kinds of things that are just so easy to fix that would make a mammoth difference yes. and so once you start getting women in those decision-making roles then things do start to change and I think there's a huge amount of hope. Um, I saw a stat, something like, I can't remember the actual number, but in the US there will be more women um, than men sort of in decision-making, with decision-making abilities, I guess, like, you know, our, I know, my parents' generation were the first ones that ever had their own money for women. Um, now they're able to um, do things with that money. So those power structures start to change a little bit and that's definitely starting to happen. But then on the other side you've got you know, the largest growing homeless population in Australia at the moment is women over 55. Yeah. So I'm how do we, we counteract that? Well, that's right. It's this whole generational thing where women have, you know, looked after their families. They've not invested in themselves in terms of careers. They don't have superannuation. Maybe their husbands leave them. Their families leave them. Whatever happens later in life, they're living in their cars. They don't have access to any mm. money or any investments that they've actually, you know, contributed to their whole lives in, in an indirect way. Yeah. So it's really awful that we're in that situation. So I guess we've got two sides of this. We've got the older population and the younger ones where we hopefully can find ways to empower them and skill them and give them confidence because we need them to actually solve the biggest problems we have in the world right now.
0: Yeah. It's one of those things where, you know, people were saying that, you know, yes, we do get a lot of people coming in to STEM, but it's keeping them in there. So there's the retention aspect as well. And then the burnout aspect, because in terms of the industry or the culture There's, you know, anecdotal and, you know, research evidence that we're burning out as well, much quicker than the men would in the same fields. So we start seeking sea changes for, you know, occupations or careers, which don't keep us in that environment, which burnt us out to begin with, which means you start losing that top tier of women where they're skilled and they're experienced enough to be in those decision-making areas. And then, you know, again, as you said, the you know, lifestyle or the family commitments that take us out of the workforce combined with our lower earning capacity. And then when we get towards the end of our careers, when we need to be depending on investments and nest eggs Mm -hmm. and, you know, retirement funds, we don't have as much as the men do at that point because we've we've had these gaps plus disadvantages. And then, you know, once you get older... You find yourself in a position where you're not as financially stable as you could have been leading to the homelessness which is you know something that has been coming up in the news a lot lately and it's been so surprising and awful but then you're seeing these interesting developments where they're creating um, shared living environments for homeless women and I just found that a fascinating way to solve a problem that we shouldn't have had to begin with, <laughs> but, um, I agree, agree. And yeah, I saw an article just
1: this morning about, um, two women, single mothers, um, deciding to share parenting of their children together and live in a, a sort of a co-house, um, yeah. in a house. And I just think, like, we should be doing more of this. And, and this yeah. comes from a whole breakdown of society and, you know, the the best way for people to thrive is having three generations in a household. And, and, you know, that there's endless research around how good that is for society and for people And like, we just don't have that anymore. The loneliness, um, in terms of statistics are just off the charts. and so yeah, I think society is really broken down. So what I'd like to see actually is that technology helps to bring us all back together and yeah. it certainly has an ability to separate and isolate us, but I think it has an incredible ability to bring us back together as well. And I know I'm part of a couple of great um, communities and offline, not that we've done offline for a while, but' then I'm <laughs> still there but but knowing there are people there whenever you need it just to kind of have that space and be you and I think we all need that right now.
0: We do. We and whether it's not
1: misinformation, places where there's a lot of misinformation. <laughs> some people have that. We won't mention which ones where that comes from. Yeah. But yeah, there are certainly places of misinformation out there. But beyond that real community, how do you build real community online and yeah. connect people in the same way they would be connecting offline?
0: Yeah. And I think that is an interesting problem that people have been trying to address, especially during the pandemic when we're all forced to be more online than we used to be. And, you know, there's been such an interesting development in the area for spaces that are meant to be more community oriented and to allow people to feel safe in, you know, whatever situation they're in. And you know, it's, it's such an, it's one of those odd things where you'd really only perceive that in science fiction, where they talk about these alternate futures and all of these environments where we are becoming a lot more technology dependent and here we are now having to live that space and trying to find and navigate our way around creating community when, we can't do it in person. Mm-hmm, yeah. mm-hmm. And I saw
1: even there was like a, a, an alternative kind of Tinder app for people who just want to meet new friends. Yes. And that's great. <laughs> We've had so many girls in our program who've developed apps to meet friends. Like they come to a new school, they want to meet friends. So put in your preferences and find some people to chat with. And I think that kind of stuff is very cool. And yeah, I think, I think, I mean, those kinds of ideas are great. How can we adapt them to meet a wider audience and really um, help uh, an immediate need that we have in society?
0: Absolutely. And it, it it's so necessary because even, you know, as kids and as adults, it's hard to make friends and it's hard to find people in the spaces that are kind of you and you cultivate your friends in person over the years, but without having spaces to do it like you, you can't make new friends mm-hmm. you can't find new networks you can't you know, develop these interests in ways that create that sense of community
1: absolutely yeah. and that's why tech girls is so important i guess the work that we do is so important because we're creating that network and that community and i mean weirdly enough i finished my phd what, 12 years ago and it was about what makes an online community work and yeah. here we are 12 years later i've got my, my my research central community for phd students but with tech girls got this amazing group of young people solving their problems. We've got their their teachers on board as their coaches. We've got mentors matched with them. We've got industry judges. And conservatively last year we calculated um, they spent with us at Tech Girls about 10,000 hours on volunteering around STEM entrepreneurship over about 14 weeks. And that's a very, very conservative number. Like actually I'd say it's double that. But to be able to mobilize that amount of people to do something that's important to them in a pretty short amount of time and just Make that happen every year is a pretty great thing to do and I think we're a great example for others that Um, you can you can definitely give back and there's a way to mobilize um, all sorts of people to get together and some of the relationships go on much further than our competition like year after year teachers have this connection with these industry people they would never have before to go to Um, students have these great mentors that they sometimes hang out with after and um, check in with them and see them grow and it's just this really amazing thing
0: it is absolutely wonderful because you get seeing generations of people develop and create these connections and you know being able to watch their journeys and see how they grow is you know is phenomenal it's so rewarding
1: It certainly is and we now have girls who uh, we know are studying and this is why we're trying to formalise this with our Where Are They Now campaign but we Mm. know they're studying at university, they're doing computer science, they're doing um, engineering, we have, I know one's doing gender studies which I'm super proud of, Um, you know, budding authors, we've got girls actually coming back from our alumni running workshops for us in schools and going out there as role models so it's all coming full circle and it's it's a really incredible thing to watch. It is. So wonderful. So happy for you. This is amazing. And happy for society, I think. I mean, I'm just this tiny cog in this world, but it's so many other people mobilize and make things happen. And just hopefully, it's all really about giving girls choices in life. And yes. whether they choose STEM or not, well, STEM will be part of their life, whether they like it or not. Yeah. They may not know that yet. But it's about giving them the confidence to go out and either start their own business, get employed, but knowing they can actually solve problems that they care about.
0: Yeah absolutely and it's giving them an idea of how else all of these things can be applied and giving an idea of potential and opportunities and all of the things that are available out there to them that they wouldn't otherwise have been aware of
1: yeah and it's interesting because yeah. often the teachers will say oh I don't think they can do that like, Let's <laughs> give it a try yes. and then it's kind of incredible what they're able to do once we take away those our barriers from them yes um, and let them shine their way through
0: yes Absolutely. And you give them all that agency to be able to give it a shot and see, how, you know, and extend themselves and challenge themselves. And value the the is time. part
1: of that. And failure is okay. Yeah. It's okay to fail. Can Absolutely. I say that out loud again? It's yes. okay to fail. I fail at something every single day.
0: Exactly. Every single
1: day. Yeah. Um, and, and, and it's
0: always part of success, right? It is. And it's such an important lesson as well because we, there's so much geared towards making sure that whatever we do, we succeed at. And then you only hear about the successes; you don't hear about the failures. But we mm-hmm, need to hear about mm-hmm. them, and we need to understand that they exist, and it's just part of the process. And it, the failure is also part of the problem solving because, like, well, that didn't work. Let's how let's see how we can make it not do that again. And it's yeah, it, it's so important. And a lot of people forget to teach failure. <laughs>
1: mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah,
0: and I think in the world we live in, this picture perfect Instagram world that. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah,
1: it's, it's, not, it's not seen okay to fail. And I know one, one great example maybe that we can I can leave you with is uh, one of our young girls who her mother suggested she should be part of our competition. And um, she said, oh, because her older sister had been part of it and enjoyed it. And the young person who was, I think, 10 at the time, she goes, no, 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 I'm not going to do that because I won't be good at it. So <gasps> she just side doctored herself out because it's not yeah. something she knew before. So she said, I'm not going to be good at it. I'm not going to do it. Mm-hmm. Fortunately, her mother persisted. <laughs> and she just put a team together, and she did. Ended mm. up winning the national competition, beat a thousand other teams, pitched in Silicon Valley at eleven, as you do, and um, gone to be school captain, and is an absolute uh, gem. Um, and now role modeling to all of her peers. But we may have lost her just from that one comment that uh, yes. I'm not going to be good at that. That Absolutely. one comment could have been the end of it.
0: Yep. and it, it's such a big thing today, where say, don't don't self reject. And it's such an important lesson to have because yes, you might fail, but you might also not fail like this. You have to think about the opposite of all of that as well.
1: You, you probably will fail a few things, but you can do And I think coming back to your question earlier, it's like, what can we give parents or um, anyone on the call take them away from today? And I think it's, it's encouraging young people. It's like stick it like, actually, I'm going to reframe that. It's all actually about an invitation. So inviting people to be involved. And there's some really interesting research out of the U S and I spoke to the researcher and so she was, she had a whole department of computer science students. And so she was saying, asking the students, so why are you doing computer science? And, um, 80% of the guys said I'm doing computer science because I like computer science. 80% of the women said I'm doing computer science because I was invited to. Interesting. So someone had said to them, you should do this. You'll be really good at it. Mm they did they wouldn't have done it themselves they wouldn't have volunteered it assistant. you'd be really good at it okay yeah I'll do that so it's that invitation it's like you should come to this meeting you should present you should get in front of the photo you should be leading this you should be part of this like that is important and I've noticed it even with mentors I had a mentor come up to me at an event I presented at in Sydney I remember a couple of years ago and she said oh I'd really love to be a mentor but I don't think I could. I've only got a double degree in maths, but I don't think i <laughs> an engineer. But I, I don't think I'd be any good as a mentor. I was like, oh my goodness, you're killing me. Yeah, but yeah. So I'm like, please, in, I'm inviting you. Please be part of our program. And now she's <laughs> one of our biggest champions, and I have goosebumps as I'm saying that like, because it's amazing. But it's it's about inviting women. I mean, we think about all the things that you do. Like if someone says you should do this, you're like, oh yeah, I guess I should. Yeah. Yep. I guess I should. And maybe I will maybe But if they don't invite you, you probably don't. Yeah. And I stick my hand up for everything I'm invited to. So that's uh partly probably why I'm here today as well. Because you've <laughs> an opportunity to share what you do and you never know what comes out of it. And exactly. it's so easy to say no and and so I think that invitation, um, so men particularly, um, notice the women around you and invite them forward and bring them forward and don't just always take the spotlight. But for us lifting each other up as well and
0: Putting each other forward is really, really important. It is. It's it's very important. And it is a very common thing as well. Um, someone was telling me that there was a there was an award, I believe, that was being run. And the male colleague had said, I'm putting myself in to I'm nominating myself to go in there. Can you please write a referral? And it's like, okay, interesting. And this other person who should have, you know, gone in there didn't do. It. It's like, well, why didn't you? It's like I didn't think I should. It's like you really ought to you should put yourself in you are just as qualified it's like yeah but you know they don't we don't want to put ourselves in that position unless you know we're asked to be there unless we feel that we're invited in there unless we feel welcome or we feel deserving of that space and it's such yeah mindset
1: It's all mindset, that's it. And and that's why I'm a big fan of, you know, Amy Cuddy and she, you know, put your hands on your hips and look at yourself and tell you how, yourself how awesome you are and get your power pose out and <laughs> off you go. And, uh, that stuff's really important. Mindset is absolutely key. And and we can't keep complaining that we're not moving forward if we don't kind of put our hands up, I don't think. I think we have to try our best. And I'm not saying that we don't complain because we should because things are not okay, but certainly yeah. we have a role to play as well and, and we need to put ourselves in our our friends and our colleagues forward to.
0: Yes, absolutely. Being able to share that around a little bit more.
1: <laughs> I think so. Yeah. It takes a bit of pressure off, but um, yeah. And you know, it's not like, you know, um, nominate a friend kind of thing. And, and so get other people to say how awesome you are rather than doing it yourself because it's always yes. really hard.
0: It is very get hard. Get that it's...
1: group of people where you can do it for each other. And I think that's magic.
0: Yeah, it is. And yeah, it's, it's being able to support each other in ways that you can't offer up yourself. And I think that's wonderful. That's it. That's it.
1: Find, find a good crew of people and, yeah, support <laughs> each other and um, having good good people around you, having champions. Champions are key. So a champion is different to a mentor. So a mentor is someone mm-hmm. who might guide you through something, but a champion is someone who will actually stand up for you in the room when you're not there and put yep. you forward. And so we all need those.
0: We do. Men and women. Yes, absolutely. We do We do need champions. And I think we forget that we do need that level of support. We do it's nice to have that support, and we need that level of support in order to make sure that we can shine, that we can, you know, show that we can achieve. It's,
1: yeah, it's good to be able to have that. And we're worthy, absolutely. If not, doubly worthy because we work twice as hard. Exactly. I would say in a lot of instances. To prove <laughs> our
0: yes, we absolutely do. That is, there's no doubt there.
1: <laughs> yep. So most any women, mostly very capable. That's why I hire mostly. Um, I hire mostly mothers. So, uh, women who have children, because they come in they get the job done, they leave, they value their time. I value their time and we get stuff done and they're very, very, very capable because so they spend their entire day problem solving.
0: <laughs> that is, yeah, that is something that a lot of people have been saying. It's like, we need, we need, we can't lose the people who've become parents and mothers because, you know, they have these additional skills. <laughs> they are crisis managers, they are problem solvers, and they have to be efficient in order to be able to function. <laughs>
1: Right, want something done ask a busy person but absolutely and they yeah they use their time wisely and so I highly recommend that for anyone who says they have recruitment issues hire mothers even if it's a shared job part-time they work for two days you'll get four days workouts and just <laughs> the effort they put in not because of the hours but the effort yep. they put in and um, no I think they're uh, definitely there are groups of society we're totally missing out on
0: absolutely okay so we might start to wind up here to get to some of the soft questions and I've, I've been saying soft in quotes these days because a lot of people say, these are not soft questions. So, <laughs> right. So what hobby or interest do you have that is most unrelated to your field of work?
1: Oh, okay. Um, I do grass, So I love making stuff with my hands and I do yes. mosaics and um, like anything with paper. But yeah, I love building wall mosaics and doing really weird pictures and things like that out oh, of files and glass and, and things and make them and stick them on the wall. So I think it's completely unrelated. But again, it's sort of problem solving. I really like puzzles, so jigsaw yes. puzzles, which again is completely unrelated. But it's about problem solving. I have mm. this problem. I have a thousand pieces that need to fit together. I need to fit this <laughs> work, or I have all these pieces in. You know, I need to fit them on a page and make them look like a picture. So there's this weird theme underlying it. But yeah, I yeah. love doing things with my hands, and I think puzzles and pictures are, are lots of fun.
0: They are, they are so much fun. And, you know, I love the fact that you do mosaics because it is about extending your creativity and being able to problem solve. And, you know, it's, it's such an amazing way to be able to view a picture compared to, say, illustration or painting. It's such a wonderful medium to be working with. It's fun. Smashing stuff is fun. <laughs> also
1: stress releasing. Amazing. <laughs> <Absolutely>. <laughs> in the backyard. It's, it's much fun to smash things, yes, <laughs> and then put them back together. But, yeah, it's, it's about taking something in reality, I guess, and smashing it into pieces and then finding those pieces and putting back together and seeing what that picture looks like. I think that's yes.
0: Oh, fun. that's so good. I love that. <laughs> okay. And which childhood book holds the strongest memories for you? Oh.
1: Oh, that's a great question. I don't know if there's one particular one. I know that I was the first to finish the, my like in grade one, we were given a book to read for the first time. And I remember I finished it before everyone else, and it was like Dick and Dora. <laughs> and I was wow. really proud of myself because I finished it first. Um, That's but great. I mean, I really loved reading. And, um, you wow. know, I've, I've rediscovered like Judy Bloom and all of her adventure stories. And oh, yes. I think I just loved, yeah, anything that was adventure kind of um, as a story. And, and particularly young girls going off and finding their way in the world. And um, I, I read a lot now and I actually probably still read very similar books. So I'm a big fan of Elizabeth Gilbert and reading all her books on all of her adventures around the world and just wow. lately. And um, yeah, I think it's fun. I think it's great to support female authors yes. and to, again, give them a voice and to hear how they see the world. And I think it's very easy to have a bookshelf full of male authors because that's what you see in the bookstores yeah. very often. But yeah, I've tried to make a conscious effort in the last couple of years at really investing in, in female authors and just hearing their voices and, going on their adventures with them so and that's really what tech girls are about like the tech girls are superheroes books which i hope is going to be a favorite book for um young girls going forward i mean distributed eighty thousand of them they're in every school in australia now and so the idea is yeah here's an adventure here's hopefully some women you can look up to and aspire to and you know they're just like me and if I can, if they can do it, I can do it. So, um, be like them and, um, find your way in the world and get things wrong and stumble over the way and, um, eventually find something that makes you happy, but, um, and always keep learning and that's really what it's all about.
0: Yes. And it's such a, it's, it's an interesting way of looking at the way that these books geared at girls are written as well. It it is about, you know, perseverance and resilience and being able to overcome and, you know, achieve these goals. And it's written in a very slightly different way to ones where you do have male protagonists and it's subtle, but you don't really notice it until you start, you know, reading a lot more of them and saying, oh, wow, it, it's such an interesting way of portraying this perspective.
1: Absolutely and if you know about the Bechtel test and any of that stuff you know about how movies are put together and things but it's so true it, it certainly does permeate culture and culture impacts on the way we do things and if you look back on you know the Princess Bride and, and things like that no, no, no offense then they were in their time they had their place but you look back now I kind of fringe just to say these were the messages we were giving young people and some of the music and things you're like no wonder the world is kind of the way it is because these were the messages that we you know that a girl has to be a princess
0: or you know and you have to be saved and really save yourself yeah. <laughs> and that's, that's such an interesting transition now to the way that all of the animations are going to, you know with all the storytelling as well now so you've got Definitely brave yeah. and you've got oh what was it um i've forgotten her name but i guess frozen counts as well oh, of
1: course. absolutely yeah
0: encardo's new one there's a number Encarto, of them that yes. are trying to find a new way which
1: is great to see because it has a lot of correcting to do i think <laughs> a lot of damage to fix, and not yeah. damage you know some girls like that and that's fine i think it's just messaging that yeah that we're inferior and that we need help and i think a lot of us don't <laughs> i think a lot yes. of us are extremely capable of finding our own way and yeah it's great to have others on the ride for us but not we don't need saving
0: yes It it's we're completely capable of doing things by ourselves, but it's okay because there are other people around us and it's fine. <laughs> and surround yourself with people who have strengths that complement what you have. Yes. <laughs>
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. I think that's the key. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Work, yeah. With, work with the team and work with people who can do things you can't do and together we can all make it happen.
0: Absolutely. We all have skill sets that, you know, we can use to build things together and it doesn't have to be that, you know, you don't have to be one who's carried. You don't have to be the one who is the follow or the one behind, it's okay. You can be beside, you can be in front, you can be anywhere you want. And I think diversity of stories is what we need for that. Definitely, definitely. And again, it comes back to giving everyone a voice and we all have, we all have something interesting to say. So how can we talk Mm -hmm. small? Absolutely. Okay. And last question, what advice would you give someone who would like to do what you do and what advice should they ignore? Oh, what is it that I do? That's my first question.
1: Yeah. (laughs) I had someone say recently they wanted to do what I do. I was like, what do I do? (laughs) (laughs) Hmm. I I talk a lot. I read and write a lot. I, you know, come up with interesting ideas sometimes. Um, Yeah. Oh, I think back to what I said before, like putting your hand up a lot and just agree, just saying yes to things, and that's a good way to learn. So you mm. may not know a thousand percent how to do something, but give it a try, and that's kind of helped me to get to where I am by always kind of saying yes, 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 I'll, I'll give it a go. Um, I'm a big fan of the 80% rule, and I, this mm. has really helped me in, the, in particular in the last few years in that this whole perfectionist world that we're in, we want to get things 100% right.
0: Mm-hmm. Well,
1: that's kind of impossible. Perfection... Ism is just literally impossible. Put yourself yeah. trying. So I figure an eighty percent rule is a, a good kind of um, compromise. So if I can get things done eighty percent well, then I'm pretty I'm pretty happy with that. Mm. And that other twenty percent usually is in my head, and no one else actually knows what that other twenty percent is. So that eighty percent is actually someone else's one hundred percent. Yeah. Even though it's my eighty percent, you know what I mean? So what you think is someone else's. So that eighty percent, they're like, oh, this is off the charts, amazing. You're like. I probably could have done a little bit better but that's actually pretty good so and i've saved my sanity so you know <laughs> stuff that i wanted to work out didn't work out but no one actually knows so i think if we can kind of stick to that 80 percent rule and and just give yourself a little bit of break be a bit kinder to yourself mm-hmm. you get so much more done because if i waited till everything was 100 i'd never get anything done
0: you end up suffering from scope creek because you keep going oh i could do this and i could add this and this would make it better and it just doesn't end oh, because right. so you keep thinking of more ideas so you have to draw a line.
1: <laughs>
0: boundaries. Boundaries are really important, that And eighty percent.
1: My eighty percent is pretty good, so I'm pretty happy with that. So I think that's a good rule to live by to save some sanity, but also just get stuff done.
0: Yes, absolutely. Is
1: your goals. You can't.
0: Yeah, it's finding your goals and being able to, you know, get things across the line because otherwise things will never get up. You'll never finish a thing, and you'll just completely feel. Unsuccessful and adequate and unsatisfied because you can't find that point where you go, actually, this is good enough. And good enough is great. Like, seriously, good enough is great. (laughs) Most people cannot even get to good enough. So, good enough is great. Exactly. (laughs) Yeah. That's That's wonderful advice.
1: (laughs) (laughs) I'm glad it's helpful. Yeah. And what (laughs) should they ignore? Yes.
0: And what advice should they ignore?
1: Oh, anything that says, don't do this, you can't do this, it's not for you. Yeah, I hate being told you can't do something that makes me want to do it. Um, yeah. Mm. And anything gendered, like, oh, it's for girls or anything like that. You know, the whole, you know, run like a girl campaign I love. It's like, well, run like a girl like me who can actually run. I'm not talking it, <laughs> that that's the idea. Yes. But I think, yeah, I think that whole separa- the gender thing is separation and I think it's very unhelpful these days. Mm. Um, so anything that says you shouldn't do something, there's something that says you probably should yes
0: and you would not know until you give it a shot
1: and you know you can't be good at everything and if you get it if you're not okay move on to something else totally okay and and be okay with not being good at everything and, yeah um, but, but giving your best shot and and trying new things and i think always just trying new things yes um, yeah advice not to follow yeah anyone telling me something i shouldn't do
0: yep um, give it a go yeah and, it, it's and you great fail that's to... okay you learn something you learn not to do it again that's okay Exactly, and it it's good to know to take things off the list as well, because you, that way, well, that's answered that question. Now I can move on.
1: <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. So yeah, I think just anything that suggests that you're not capable or that you shouldn't be doing anything, I just think all oh, those, always... and it's usually coming from someone who has a fear themselves. Yes. So it's, it, it's very their limiting. fear that they're manifesting, not, it's usually got nothing to do with you. And this is what I find with our teachers. Oh, our students can't do that. It's like, well, let's give it a try. And then they come out and they smash it out of the park. And it's a teacher's fear that they can't yes. do it rather
0: than students. Yeah. And it, it's in a way they're trying to protect them as well, because I don't want them to fail, it's like, but it's okay if they do. And it, you know, it's a learning thing and they can move on from that and they can grow from that. And that's Okay. Yeah, I think redefining
1: failure and failure is learning.
0: I mean, mm-hmm. failure,
1: if you don't learn from it, it's bad. But if you learn something from each time you fail, um, yeah. then it's, it's progress. Failure. Yeah, absolutely. It's all learning. Excellent.
0: Okay. Well, thank you so much, Janine, for speaking with me today. It has really been so wonderful and enlightening talking to you about all of these things, all of your initiatives and your journey. It's been fantastic. So if people would like to know more about the work that you do, where can they go?
1: Yeah, so www.techgirlsmovement.org, you can find us or Tech Girls on any of our socials. Um, please connect on LinkedIn, uh, anywhere you'll find us. We're, we're pretty proactive out there. You'll see from us every week. But yeah, come and enjoy the uh, the journey with us and find out what young people are truly capable of and we'd love you to be involved.
0: It's such an amazing program. And when I first was like, oh gosh, if only this was there when I was at school, this would have been incredible. <laughs> If only I had a dollar every time someone said that, I'd never have to actually seek any funding <laughs> ever again because you're certainly not the first,
1: um, but yeah, yep. not the profit. But no, absolutely. And I think back to what I was doing when I was eight or nine and I was probably eating sand or something and I thought were well, <laughs> building apps to solve problems um, somewhere around the world. But, yeah, it, it's pretty amazing when you give young people an environment where they can choose a problem they care about, they can meet people to help them and they can thrive. It, it's a truly beautiful thing when all that comes together.
0: Absolutely it is. All right, well, thank you again. This has been so amazing and I hope you have a wonderful day. Thanks, Michelle. Thanks,
1: everyone, and have a great day and I look forward to joining us at Tech
0: Learning about the Tech Movement Foundation from Janine has been an inspiration. The skills learned from the competition aren't just entrepreneurship, they're life skills. And they're teaching the next generation about things like how to be problem solvers, acknowledging the value of their work, and knowing that they can contribute to their world in their own way to learn more about janine what we discuss on the show or to connect with us please visit the steampowered website at steampoweredshow.com you can also find out more about janine at linkedin the tech girls movement foundation at techgirlsmovement.org and janine's research work at adjointresearch.com, the links for which will be in the show notes if you enjoyed this conversation please let me know subscribe to this channel leave a comment and share this with your geeky or geek Heroes friends You can also support Steam Powered on Patreon and Ko-fi on the Steam Powered Show. The links for which will also be in the show notes. Thanks for tuning in, and we'll see you next time.